And welcome in. It's March 13th, 2019. Views from the sideline. That was Michigan State sweeping the season series with the University of Michigan, winning the Big Ten regular season title. Welcome into the show, guys. I'm your host, Chris Pappas. Alongside me, Joey Tysick, Malik Hill, and a special guest to the desk today, Garrett Koloje. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Host of Colo Sports Corner on 88.3 WXOU, The Grizz. Chris, I am uh, I'm, I'm very privileged to be back. As I've told you before, I feel like Robert Ory coming off the bench, only out here for one shot, one opportunity. So I'm uh, I'm very wait, wait, thrilled. Wait, wait, wait. But you have two shots. I do have two shots. That's right, because I'll be back next week for the uh, the NCAA tournament preview here. So, uh, but, but with that being said, I'm happy, Chris. There's a lot going on in the sports world. And uh, I, I have a sizzler on, on, on that game that we'll get into later. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm fed up, and it's not with Michigan fan. Not with Michigan State fan. It's 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 a different take. Don't look to your left. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see it. I was I was there. I was in the f- family and friends MSU section. Okay. Yeah. As a Michigan fan. So no, no, like thing, I said, there's nothing. It it's, burned. It, it's nothing with you guys. Yeah. It's nothing with state fans. It's uh, stop I covering your tracks, Garrett. Stop covering <laughs> your tracks. Just wear I'm the sh- bear. <laughs> I'm sure he has a good explanation. I'm sure. He has a good explanation. Oh, it, it it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, but yeah, it's, we got a packed show today. We're going to break down all the NFL free agency craziness that has happened. The Detroit Lions are big in the news. We'll break them down first. What's the most overrated move? What's the most underrated move? There's kind of a big trade that happened involving the state of Ohio. Uh, we'll touch on Oakland men's basketball, which maybe lost a heartbreaker. Yeah, they definitely did lose a heartbreaker. Um, and then we're going to get into our Big Ten preview. So let's get right into it. The Detroit Lions making major headlines on the first day of free agency. They released Nevin Lawson. They signed Dan- Danny Amendola one year, $4.5 million, could reach almost $6 million with incentives. Signed cornerback Justin Coleman, four years, $36 million. Signed tight end Jesse James. Signed defensive end Trey Flowers, five years, $90 million, And re-signed running back Zach Zenner. Guys, first impressions, first thing that comes to your head after our lead or I read that list that the Lions did yesterday. So happy to have Zach Center back. That, that's, not, that's, that's the thing not, that draws you. Not even a joke. Like that guy. The White Walker, yes. But How many way, carries is he going to get this season? Is he going to get over 15? Doesn't matter. They're going to be, meaning, Under, all right, they're gonna be meaningful. <laughs> okay. No, the Lions offseason has been great. I'm, did, sa- I'm happy that they didn't just sit on their butts and do nothing, similar to what they did last year. I don't know if all these moves are going to like really move the needle completely, but it's definitely a good start. I think they got they got one of the best tight ends on the free agency market in Jesse James. That was I think that might have been the more underrated move so far this offseason. I thought Jesse James was a great pickup. Yeah. I mean, it's going to depend on how they decide to use him in the offense. I hope well, they don't like not use him. I was going to say I think he's going to be a big part of the offense just because it seems like Detroit is definitely angling towards just defense first. So by default with you're signing Danny Amendola to be one of your key receivers. Jesse James is going to have to get a lot of touches. And they they signed three former, at one point, Patriots. So they're obviously still going with that mold. Maybe they mold their offense like that and they use their tight end a little bit more. That'd be great. I don't like the Lions becoming the Detroit Patriots. I really don't. Every yeah. Patriots assistant tries to do this, and this is when things start getting Exactly. Weird. That's, that's and, what makes you a little bit nervous about yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. But overall, so far, so good. Garrett, what do you think so far? I mean, I just rattled off a bunch of names. Detroit Lions extremely busy in the first day of free agency. What's your first impression? I, I think that they now have their direction, Chris. 
second year of a new head coach regime. Um, Bob Quinn in his, what, fourth season now, I believe. Yep. There's a direction that's being laid forth. Uh, you've got your guys in from the New England staff that you want. You paid for arguably the top free agent in the draft class and Trey Flowers. I think it's going to help shore them up. Like I said, I think now you cast that direction of where you want to go for the draft and then moving into the offseason. I still don't think drafting an offensive player for them is out of the question. I mean, this is a team that, let's be fair, just because they signed Jesse James doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to give Stafford more tools in the or give him more, you know, sand toys in the sandbox and give him another, you know, target, let's say more like a TJ Hawkinson who's, who's rumored to be around there. But I think they addressed major needs and – Clearly, they had some money to throw around, not like money that obviously the Jets and the Colts had, which is absurd amount of you know cap space there. But they had some money to throw around. They could still make a few more moves as well, you know, minor cheap moves and restructure some contracts. They have a direction. They know where they want to go. And heading into year two of Matt Patricia, I think you will see a bigger focus or a greater emphasis on building a defense, building a scheme that fits this defense that starts with Flowers, that starts with Coleman, that starts with you know, an improved Tracy Walker, a few things like that. So let me ask you this, Garrett. Do you think this was the biggest offseason for Bob Quinn? Do you think if this doesn't pan out well this coming season that he is gone? I don't think he's gone after this year, but I think there should be a lot of questions asked. So if they win six games, you still think Bob Quinn's here? Yes, because because I, I think in general, he's tied at the hip with Matt Stafford and Matt Patricia. He's tied at the hip. And you got to remember the first year that he came in here. Remember the first year as a general manager for this team. Who did he go out and get? Marvin Jones, TJ Lang, Ricky Wagner. He went out and spent money. Unfortunately, right. TJ Lang isn't here anymore. But again, he went out and threw around some money. Now, different situation, different circumstance. Yes. I could say the same thing to you, though. Yeah. He, he did. He, you're right. He did go out and go spend some money. I can go out and spend money, too, but doesn't mean you get the same result. How many playoff wins did they win? They haven't won a single thing, and and that's a fair point. I don't expect them, though, to be a six-win team heading into this year. They've probably improved by maybe two wins, possibly three with these moves. And again, having the number eight selection in April is going to give them a lot more leverage. Yeah. So what this team does at that eight pick, personally, I think they're going to get a guy who's a hybrid guy who can play linebacker or D-line, get down on the edge. or a guy You don't think they go up. offense at eight? I don't, but like I said, I wouldn't rule that out. I just think that we're seeing now year two, Matt Patricia, his defense. We're seeing now that this team's focusing on defense. And they went out, got the best player available in the free agent market. And they're probably going to go out and get the best hybrid edge rusher that they can find in the draft, pair him up next to Flowers, and then have Deshaun Hand mix in, Sean Robinson mix in, and build that thing from the line out. I would love if Montez Sweat is there at eight. I don't think he's going to be there. <laughs> I don't either. After the way that the way that he's I, going, he's, it, it doesn't look top, like it. Yeah. But if he if he would make it there, Jeffrey Simmons, no, is no joke, more no joke though. And I've heard this too. Don't be shocked if the Lions went after Antoine Greedy Williams. That I, I think that's a realistic possibility. I know some people have him slipping, but again, they just like oh Nevin Lawson. They paid Justin Coleman to be their nickel corner. They probably are looking for a number two to go next to Slay. And as much as I love uh, Tavon Wilson and Diggs and uh, Walker. They probably need another guy to solidify that other side on Slay. So they've got the nickel set. They've got the primary receiver set. Now they need that other, you know, that other side receiver, you know, position set, at least for the corner spot. And so I think they could look at Greedy Williams at eight. Either way, I'm expecting defense unless they just still decide they want to give Matt Stafford all the weapons in the world and go with Hawkinson. Malik, what's your take of the Lions free agency so far? We got Joey's opinion. We got Garrett's opinion. We need the Michigan perspective. Well, honestly, I I think this is the best position they've been in in a while, to be honest. I mean, these are some good free agent signings. Nothing that blows you away, but just good pieces. And with this eight pick, like they said, this is one of the deepest defensive drafts, especially in the first round, from the def- defensive end, D-tackle, linebacker positions. You can get a high-quality player at, at almost any point in the first round. And even going into the second and third rounds, they're a high-value high-quality players all over the place. So whether they want to go D-line, which them getting Trey Flowers, really good move, shoring up that D-line. Not a lot of pass rush last season. Great pickup. Hopefully the draft pick last year starts uh, improving a lot this year at the linebacker position. But they they have a lot of 
a lot of options. I honestly, I don't want them to go the TJ Hawkinson route, even though scouts are going crazy over him. They billing they're billing him as another one of the maybe next Gronkowski types, which doesn't work out a lot. Gronkowski is a one of a kind. <laughs> he could so, be the next Eric Ebron. Uh, <laughs> he's less, you what, no, he's gonna no, leave the lines and blow up somewhere else? <laughs> Not but, produce here. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, I just have to throw that joke out the, there. The only, the only thing I'll say about Hawkinson, and the only thing I'd say about the offense is, I don't think they would draft him if they don't think he could help out on the run side of the game. Again, yeah. this team's focusing on running the ball. They got on Johnson. They, they are, they're, they're trying to consistently beef up that line. Uh, they brought back Zach Zenner. As much as we laugh at it, I mean, they do have some depth there now. With, with that, with Riddick, I still think they're going to add another veteran guy here off the scrap heap, whether that's in preseason or whatever. And last they, year, pe- people laughed at the Frank Ragnall pick, but he showed signs right, of being right. extremely dominant. A- at some year. point, they're going to run the ball. Yeah. And so if Hawkinson can fit into that role for them, it's not just he'll catch 100 passes. He's also going to factor into the run block game yeah. as well. Jesse James is a very strong, very capable run blocking tight end. And, and a, you know, red, I, a really good red zone threat, yeah. And I talked to a friend of mine who's actually a Steelers fan. He grew up diehard Steelers fan. There's a reason why Le'Veon Bell was so good whenever Jesse James was in the game. Jesse James would set those lead blocks for Le'Veon Bell to just run free. And trust me, Le'Veon Bell has the patience of some of the greats. Don't get me wrong. But when you have a guy like him who can set that hole for you, it makes your day job a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. And um, there's... A lot of moves that happened yesterday, not just involving the Detroit Lions. Probably the biggest move, Odell Beckham Jr., no longer a New York Giant. He was traded to Cleveland. Now he teams up with Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, their teammates again, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. What do you guys make of this deal? The Giants, they acquired the 17th overall pick in the draft, the 95th overall pick, which is a third-round pick, and Jabril Peppers former Michigan guy, first reactions. Yeah, I I want to comment on this one first because at first look, of course everybody's going crazy. You have Odell and Jarvis back together. One of the guys that – one of the few guys in football that Odell completely trusts. They're pretty much like brothers. And to be fair, too, Odell is the biggest wide name wide receiver in the NFL, yeah. just by name. I mean, he's not the best, but if you say Odell Beckham, people know who you're talking about. Yeah, from, a, from a point of him being comfortable with another guy – in his receiving core, there's no other place you could go to. But as I've been thinking about it more, I think this could possibly, if not handled well, this could blow up in their face. Really? Because the type of attitude and personality that Odell Beckham has built over the past few years, he is the diva of all NFL receivers. But And Baker Mayfield has the type of attitude to where he's, the, he's going to lead that offense. And if you butt heads with him, Baker will try to put you in there. He was a rookie last year. It doesn't matter. Baker is going to lead that offense. If him and Odell butt heads, Baker's the guy. They're going to side with Baker. Plus, you have the Freddie Kitchens uh, factor. He's a first-year head coach. He doesn't have a lot of experience, even as a coordinator. It was just a guy that Baker was most comfortable with. So there are a lot of things that have to mesh together well and go right for this whole thing to work out. But do you think – the Odell is a diva type of deal it was kind of blown up a little bit because he played in New York. A lot of things are blown up playing in these big markets. I would I would say it was blown up. And in it was New a dysfunctional it, organization. Just playing in that was such a dysfunctional organization last year. But you've seen there have been top receivers in other uh dysfunctional situations. Calvin Johnson in Detroit. Although they won a few they won a few. Malik, years. Malik, Calvin why Johnson. you gotta throw shade? <laughs> No ego from him. Larry Fitzgerald, the Cardinals organization, has been falling apart. He has some of the – he's one of the best people in the NFL by far. Odell Beckham is his own person. He fights kickers nets on the sideline. He snaps on coaches. When they're not winning, he falls apart as a person. That's just who he is. I see where he's you're – He's not very – he hasn't matured a lot through his years. And this could help, but it could also hurt knowing – all, all of the big personalities thrown into this. Place. Yeah, it's a high-risk, high-reward move for yeah. Cleveland and for a franchise that simply just has, hasn't had success ever. Uh, it's a it's a good move, in my opinion. I well, mean, at face value, it's on paper, it's out of this world. But now, I don't think it could be boom or bust. Exactly, boom or bust. Yeah. I mean, this team could win a playoff game next year, 100%, with how dynamic the offense could be. Baker was a rookie last year. Now he's got a year under his belt. You 
definitely you have to believe he's going to take maybe another step forward. Now he's got Odell and Jarvis, and then running options in Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Regardless of your opinion of Kareem Hunt and if he should be playing in the NFL still, he's still value to have at that position. The Cleveland Browns might be a playoff team this year, guys. I would go as far as to say they will win the AFC North. Like, I would go as far as to say that. I know the Ravens have been making some moves, but there's they lost a chance. everybody, too. There's, That's true. There's, All their veteran guys. Right, and, and there's a good chance, and I, and I believe Terrell Suggs signed with the Cardinals, I yes. believe it was. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. there's a good chance that the Browns win the AFC North. And Malik, I think brought up, you brought up a really good point about that. Odell Beckham, he surrounds himself with a lot of that that bad cloud because he is unpredictable. He is more boisterous. He is more of a a you know hard on the kind of sleeve player. And for most guys and for most teams, that's fine. Um, Cleveland's a city though that I feel like will as long as you win, you'll take it. Because uh, I mean, LeBron left him, came back, won a title for him, and then he left the second time. And I don't see as much backlash well, the second time he left because he won the title. Exactly. Now they go from LBJ to OBJ, so it's you know, or from OBJ to you know. I got that, you. that whole thing. So for me, he is the face now of Cleveland sports. I, I I know Baker Mayfield. Everybody loves him. I love Baker Mayfield as well too. I don't know if year one they'll go and and some people are now saying that the Super Bowl odds for them went up oh, to like okay. you know twenty to one. They won't do that. But I think this is a long term process, and I actually think that this could bode well for the Browns moving forward. That could be a steep price to pay when you consider how much the Raiders gave up to get Antonio Brown, which I'm assuming you're going to talk about here shortly. But it's a calculated risk. And if this works out well for Cleveland, you have yourself a potential to play in the Super Bowl in a couple of years. If it doesn't work out well, well, now you're back to where you've been the last 20 years. You sold a lot of tickets, sold a lot of merchandise, made a lot of money. In I mean, the end, it's a win-win. I mean... I've already got my Baker Mayfield color rush jersey, so I might as well add an Odell Beckham Jr. Browns jersey as well with that. So. Get the Baker's now, dozen going. How much do you think the Greg Williams situation, him leaving, how much do you think that affects this entire thing? Because I think that could be huge, especially it in the could start be, of the but season. Again, it could be, but again, they got rid of Jamie Collins, who is their best player, I believe, yeah. on, on defense. This tells me that now Cleveland is going to focus on the defensive side of the ball in this draft. I, I really do think that Cleveland – had the picks, had the draft capital to make this happen and not bankrupt their future. So could we see this happen to where they focus all on defense? I do, because now they have all the pieces, I think, on the front end. They found what looks like the replacement potentially for Joe Thomas on that left side. Looks like they could be ready to rock and roll. Now you just build some young pieces, some exciting pieces on the defensive side of the ball, throw them in there, and then you hope maybe year two from now or a year or two from now that this team can be contending. Joe, what's your opinion? You've been rather quiet here. I've just been listening. I'm taking all it all right. in. You took it all in. Now let's hear your opinion. I mean, either way, it's a great deal for Cleveland, both for the fans and the organization. It, it just helps their offense get even better. And like you said, it sells more merchandise. It gets people in the seats. And it's it a buzz about the team. Like all of a sudden, Cleveland is relevant again. For like before last year, they were the laughing stock of the NFL, even below the Lions. And now they're last year they became relevant, and now they're super relevant where people are expecting them to make the playoffs and do something. And the the exciting thing is it's a young group that their offense is. They found a great tight end in David Joku last year, and Baker Mayfield has become everything they thought he would be. And now you have two really good wide receivers. Again, like Malik said, the drama will be the concern. It's either going to go one or two ways where Baker Mayfield and Odell get along super great. Which is also an option. Right, because I could definitely see that happening where they just become buddy-buddy and they're the next, you know, dynamic duo. Or they butt heads. But hopefully Jarvis Landry, like we said, is going to be that kind of median guy and he's going to bring everybody together, hopefully, and be kind of the leader on that offensive side. And I think that's what Cleveland is kind of hoping as well. My my one big concern is the Kareem Hunt thing. Not him necessarily, but the drama he may bring, whether it be from the fans or outside players. I'm not sure. We'll have to see on that front what happens there. But if he can just ignore everything and prove that he's a better person and just play, then Cleveland won for sure. And the deal to get Odell honestly seems like a steal. 
Now, see, you mentioned the whole thing with the Kareem Hunt. You know, there was backlash. There was, you know, all the why Cleveland chose this, you know, dealing with a lot of that backlash, a lot of that criticism. I actually think that this trade wipes out much, if if not all of this concern and this criticism of even signing Kareem Hunt. Why is that? Because let's be fair here. There is an attached risk to having a guy like Kareem Hunt knowing he did hit his girlfriend or knowing he did hit a girl and there, it's all on tape. There's still going to be that stigma around him, but it's Odell Beckham Jr. He's going to have his own people. He's going to have his own like cloud that's even bigger and brighter and, and so much larger than what Kareem. So Hunt you're not saying it in. solves the issue. You're just saying it covers it no, up. No, it better. covers it up. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And so I think that that's not because like during the season, you're going to talk about how will Odell Beckham Jr. blend in with Baker Mayfield? How well do him and Jarvis Landry get along? You know, can they get along? And then it's Kareem, you know, how does Kareem Hunt factor in? That's the fourth issue I just mentioned there. You know, three weeks ago, that was the number one pressing issue there. Maybe number two. So now if that's your fourth most pertinent issue, if you're a Browns fan and if you're covering the Browns, that's honestly a good thing. Plus Nick Chubb is their number one guy anyway, so. I want to get, Gary, I want to get your opinion. I want to get Malik's opinion in this as well. Uh, And then Joey can chime in too. What is your opinion on the Browns' offensive line? Because I think that will be the key to whether this goes or if this falls flat. No one has an opinion on their offensive line. I mean, I, I it's a work in progress. But again, like I said, this Odell Beckham Jr. trade could be the piece that's starting to build this foundation. But I mean, Baker- I, I'm just saying in the long run, like if Baker doesn't have time, this thing's going to come crashing down. If, right. you, if you if you don't have an offensive line that can block for your running backs, give right. your, your QB enough time in the pocket, right, but who's this is say- all for nothing. Right, but who's to say they don't go out in the draft and address that maybe in the second round, third round? Let's, who's to say that they don't go out and maybe make another trade or go out and maybe make another signing? Cleveland still has a bunch of money in cap space that they can throw around. I mean, that's not unrealistic to see them go and drop some money on a big-name guy that gets cut from a team because they want to go and restructure a deal and bring in someone who is an even bigger name, uh, like Le'Veon Bell. So we'll see. I mean, it's still fluid. The league year hasn't even started yet. You know, we got to wait till 4 p.m. on Wednesday, March, whatever it is, 13th, for that to start. Wait, isn't today Wednesday, March 13th? Hey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, hey, sidetrack hey. there. No, no, but but like what I'm saying is they can Two still hours. address they can still address those needs. They can still address yeah. those needs. There's still a lot, there's still a lot of offseason to play. But I think for me, that will be that's the most pressing issue when I'm looking at the Browns and whether this is gonna be a serious contender come playoff time, or if this is just a team that's gonna sit around that seven, eight win mark and be fun to watch, but not produce enough wins to get r- real fans excited. Uh, but I'm with Garrett. I I think if I was picking a favorite in the AFC North today, I'm picking the Browns. I think Cincinnati is dangerous. People still sleep on them. I mean, you still have Andy Dalton, still have A.J. Green. I, I can't count them out, but the Browns are the hot team to talk about right now. Uh, moving on. QB Nick Foles signs with Jacksonville, and Jacksonville then releases Blake Bortles. Four years, $88 million for Nick Foles. Joe, what's your first impression on that deal? Too much for Nick Foles? Super Bowl MVP. Too much for Nick Foles? Super Bowl MVP. That, that's I'm, it? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Nick Foles believer. I, I, think it's, I think it's fine. I mean, quarterbacks are always going to get paid, and he's one of the better quarterbacks that's out there right now. Now, he's not the greatest quarterback, obviously, but he's proven to show that he can play in big moments. So I think that it definitely helps. Blake Bortles is definitely should have been out a while ago, I think, <clears throat> for Jacksonville. So it, it helps him a little bit. It doesn't probably fix the problems, but it's not a bad it's not a bad deal for them. Do you I think mean, well, go ahead, Garrett? No, 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 no. I, I was gonna say I think their biggest issue is if Leonard Fournette's even gonna be back and healthy this year. Right. I mean, that's another realistic thing that no one talks about. I actually think Jacksonville slightly underpaid Nick Foles. I mean, really? there were some there were some people that were talking about he would get 25, 27, maybe even $30 million on the open market this year. The only thing that hurt Nick Foles was a limited availability for quarterbacks in this market, you know, because it seems like there's only a handful of teams that needed quarterback help. And the ones that really do are looking to the draft. Right. So I think there wasn't as big of a market for Foles. In my opinion, Jacksonville probably got him at a little bit of a lower cost than what they had expected. 
Uh, he definitely is an upgrade over Blake Bortles, but I don't know how much of an upgrade, but I think for four years for what they're trying to do, uh, Nick Foles will be fine. He's a league average quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a top 10 quarterback. I know he's a Super Bowl MVP, but again, Trent Dilfer is also a Super Bowl MVP. So let's, let's not try and sit here and say Nick Foles is his next best thing since sliced bread. I, 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 I think there's a difference between Trent Dilfer and Nick Foles though. There might be. Yes. I think again, Nick Foles helped them win that game more. Well, and to be fair, they had a very strong defense and a strong run game that helped them out with, you know, Jai and right. Matt, and they've got, you know, good pieces on the run game. But I think Foles will be fine. He fits that system fine. He can put up good numbers down in Jacksonville. Nobody will seem to bother him down there. I think it's a good fit. Could the Lions come calling into Blake Bortles? You know, hey, hey, Blake. No. You, you, you want to play <laughs> no. some backup no. QB? No reason. Well, Blake's not going to be. He's no not need. a starter in the NFL. It doesn't matter. I don't even want him as a backup. <laughs> yeah. With Detroit. No. Why? Why? I'd rather have Teddy Bridgewater as my backup than Blake Bortles. Like that, and that's saying something. And that's actually no slight on Teddy, you know, Teddy Two Gloves. But that's. <laughs> In my opinion, Blake Bortles has had a legit two good seasons. Like I'm quality fine. NFL seasons. We can just go get another Michigan State quarterback for our backup. I'm fine with that. Do you think Rudock's still around? Can we get Jake? I wish the Lions kept him. I feel like they oh, always... Yeah, that's right. Connor Cook's on the roster. He's the backup. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, oh, Connor... <laughs> that's what I was saying. Connor Cook, I know. Go with the hometown, guys. We have, we've had works. Drew Stanton and Connor <laughs> Cook. Like, why not? Uh, so... I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about those New York Jets. Oh, Made some moves. Signed linebacker C.J. Mosley, $85 million. I think it was over five years. Signed Le'Veon Bell late, late last night, four years, $52 million. Uh, Anthony Barr was set to join the New York Jets, but he decided to go back to Minnesota. He woke up into reality. But, I mean, all in all, landing C.J. Mosley, I think it's a big get for New York, as well as you don't – uh, Garrett, let's, I got to go right to you. You're shaking your head. He's on a downward trend. The Jets are still a hot dumpster fire. They still are. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. they sign C.J. Mosley. It doesn't matter if they sign Le'Veon Bell. They are still a hot dumpster Why fire. Why is this? Let's go. Um, well, for one, they gave the Colts their second-round pick this year, which I think is hilarious, so thank you for the top-four pick, <laughs> uh, on top of giving them last year a second and a first. And, and by the way, the Jets aren't even utilizing any of their cap space. They're they're just a dumpster fire. I don't trust Sam Darnold whatsoever. They have no O line. Robbie Anderson's probably gonna get traded this year. Like it doesn't matter that they bring in <laughs> CJ Mosley and in, in Le'Veon Bell, because Le'Veon's gonna want out in two years, and all the stuff we're talking about with Odell Beckham Jr. is gonna be the same exact thing that we talk about with Le'Veon Bell in probably a year and a half from now. And Jamison Crowder won't raise the coal level of the yeah. I do think Jamison Crowder was a solid He is a good a he's pickup. a good slot receiver. He's yeah. a good slot yeah. receiver, but I mean what? Darnold still has what to throw to now. Darnold still has Robbie years, Anderson. Yeah. He still has several years to build. I mean I mean what? He needs serious weapons. Who was the last who was the last good receiver the Jets had? Lavernius Coles, Santonio Jericho Cotri, Santonio maybe. Maybe yeah. I should have maybe I should have mentioned <laughs> the Jets. Garrett. Should now. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> you should have you should have seen this coming. I mean, you've Come set on, yourself Chris. up for this, Chris. They, they only okay. So the only saving grace here is that they got Le'Veon Bell on the cheap. Yeah, because Which, was, we wanted a lot more. Honestly, Joey, that baffles me. Like yeah. you, you saw him all year saying he wants twenty million dollars. He wants excess of hundred million dollars in total money in, in his contract. And even recently saying. I need 15 to 17. And yet he signs for four years and 52. And that, and that to me just baffles me. I mean, he was offered five years, 70 from uh, Pittsburgh. He turned that down. It, it, it's just like, it the must whole, have been that toxic. And I know, and I know it's a weird comparison to me, but it's like the same thing happened with Bryce Harper when he signed with the Phillies, gave up a four year, $180 million deal from the Dodgers to go play for the Phillies for 13 years and have like Security. no flexibility. See that one, but, can, but, but why that, would you? Why would you go to the Jets if you're? But he did get up? he did get his max money though for that. Le'Veon he Bell did. is that's, not. That's what I'm saying. That. It's not the same situation because at least Bryce, he's locked in. What was it? Ten? It was thirteen years, right? Thirteen, 13 years, three hundred. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's set for life. Good for you, Bryce. I mean he's set for a lot of lives, but uh, <laughs> and never win a championship. I don't. Like hey to man, say just keep cashing those checks. I uh, think there are several teams that had a better free agency than the Jets. To be honest, well, let's hear it. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I think the Baltimore Ravens might have the most underrated. I would agree all. with that. I would agree with that. You lose Eric Weddle, you get Earl Thomas, you add Mark Ingram. That to was that a good offense. get. Yeah. This is nothing. This is just helping Lamar Jackson every single step. Keep the defense more on the field. You don't have to keep Lamar Jackson out there running around, possibly getting hurt. You you can give Mark Ingram the ball more, and he's a really good, maybe one of the better pass blockers in the league at the running back position. And let's be honest here. I think the Ravens now, yes, they lost Suggs. 
Yes, they lost Mosley. Suggs, to me, he was kind of on the downfall of his career anyway. So that he's, really he's more matter. of a loss from the locker room standpoint. He is. I, this still now tells me, you know what? The Ravens now, they, they got a new GM in place. I forget his name, but he was Ozzie Newsom's kind of right-hand man. I mean, they're going to be able to draft now. And in a deep defensive draft, we know how much the Ravens love having that lockdown D. Yeah, this is this is by far. I, if I had to name a winner of this, it's probably the Ravens yeah. up to this point. What's and, a, and they got picks for Joe Flacco. Who gave picks a picks for Joe, for Joe Flacco? That, what is John Elway doing? <laughs> yeah, what is John Elway doing? And then what, oh, he gets man. a seventh for Case Keenum or something like that? Oh, because apparently somebody who wanted to pay Case Keenum all that money. All right, we we do have to touch on the Antonio Brown stuff. That did happen, I think, right after we got off the airwaves last week. Uh, he got traded to the Oakland Raiders. I know they were in the hunt for him, but it just doesn't make sense why the Raiders, they gave up a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick for Antonio Brown. This team's terrible. They just created somewhat of a buzz. Garrett, what's your first impression of this move? See, I slightly disagree. I Look, the Raiders were bad last year, yes. Yeah. But if someone's going to give you two first-round picks for Amari Cooper, you take it. Uh, yeah, they were bad last year, but they're making moves, and it suggests to me that maybe they were just trying to maximize the assets that they had. Yes, Khalil Mack, that was probably that was something that terrible. blew up in their face, yeah. and they probably knew they couldn't sign him. doesn't matter. They still handled that situation right. extremely they poorly. They handled that situation poorly, but they're now, I think, looking at this and saying, okay, now we have a better receiver than Amari Cooper to give to Derek Carr. You go out, you hope that you can maybe try and find a run game at soon. They had traded for that Asimeli guy who's probably going to be playing on the left side of Derek Carson protecting his blind side. Didn't have to give up a whole lot there. I actually kind of like this for Oakland. And I know that they're kind of heading into their last year or two in, in Oakland, and then they're heading into Las Vegas. I actually do think they wanted to reset, maximize their assets. Again, they didn't handle Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper all that well. But well, they, they got still good. got picks. They still yeah. got assets for it. Now they got three first-round picks to throw around, and they can build this team from the ground up. So I actually kind of like this move. Joe Malik. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's fine. I mean, especially the point like uh, Garrett was saying that to get to basically trade up from Amari Cooper to Antonio Brown with some picks involved with it. That's a pretty good deal. Obviously, like they got a lot of question marks and a lot of holes in their offense and different things like that. But a it's, a, it's a start. It's a start, though, for sure. And now they, they have draft picks where they can decide how they want to move this team, how they want to mold it going into the next era of Raiders football. I, I understand from a roster, looking at a roster sheet standpoint, it looks like they improved. But the games aren't played looking at a roster sheet. There's so much dysfunction in that locker room. There's no true leader. It seems like they don't trust their head coach. There's a lot of things going on that I don't know. I just think it's another, it doesn't matter what they do if they don't fix Things from the top because this was only year one of John Gruden's plan. Oh my which god! This is a plan that we don't have the extensive details on. Chris, you're it a big seems, trust the process guy. Exactly. It seems to be huh? it's, an, it's an old school plan that not a lot time. of people go along with it's, these days. You want to keep working here? Stay off the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that was Listen, that was to you, Garrett. He's trying to he's trying to go four, five, six years deep into this thing. He's completely rebuilding. You got to give him time. You judge him a lot for that first year in the Khalil Mack move, but that was a bad you, move, you man. Have, you got to give him time to get his guys in. Man. You just said there are guys in the locker room. He's he's trying to weed those guys out. He's trying to get his guys in. I'm not get Antonio Brown is not Raiders. the best for the locker room. You got to get something with Derek Carr. But you know what? You, Anto- you have to get something to help your quarterback. You know what Antonio does do, or Antonio Brown does do though. He's now near the Bay Area, so now you, you want to talk about growing his brand, kind of like how people were ripping on Kevin Durant for going to Golden State. He's building his brand. He's out there in Silicon Valley. He can do all well, these things. What does that do with anything about the Raiders, though? Because he can. What is building? Does, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, but it helps build his brand. So it helps build the Raiders' brand. Makes more him happier. Now are trying to- it, it, yeah, it might make him happier, and then he'll play a little bit better, and you know, right. he'll enjoy himself. We're more. grasping at straws, fellas. Come no, on, no. That's, I mean, that's let's a be, thing. Let's be I fair think- here. People ripped Kevin Durant for the same situation for going. Well, Kevin to Durant was weak. That's why we rip. Him and and I don't disagree with you but there, but I mean, look, LeBron. I mean, but, going to but look at the access he has. Okay, to look at the grow. players that were in. Sorry, sorry, Garrett, but look at the players that are in LA at the I'm time saying, LeBron goes there. Look at the players that are in Golden State when Kevin Durant goes there. The problem there. was that everybody thought that LeBron was going to LA just to, you know, win a championship for Los Angeles. No. 
No, everybody knew he was going there to build his brand. No, they didn't. Yes, they not did. everybody. No, they didn't. I well, guarantee people, not everybody. Okay, people that Lakers pay fans to the just said LeBron is coming. We're winning championships. Yes. Well, but <laughs> yeah. I, I view it the same way with Antonio Brown. I mean, he probably wants to go and build his own personal brand, and then in the process, play good football, be in a big market like Vegas, and in, in a you know few short years, have a young, exciting quarterback, you know, sitting there. And then they're going to put pieces around them. So whether that's a running back, whether that's a you know improved O line for Derek Carr and doing all these things, it's just it's a process, Chris. You got to trust the process, baby. And Gary, when they move to Las Vegas, he's going to be the face of Las Vegas sports. Gary, if you want to walk out that door, it's okay. <laughs> you can stay. No, he will be the face of Las Vegas sports, though. He really will. Right. And so it's and we've already seen like Las Vegas growing as a sports fandom already, just through hockey. Yeah, they only have one sports team. And now if they're going to get a football team with Antonio Brown, arguably one of the best receivers in football, that's a pretty, pretty big deal. All right, guys. I'm going to go one by one here. Most overrated signing so far in NFL free agency, Joey. Yikes. Mm. Le'Veon Bell because it's at the Jets. But that's a solid. Four years, $52 million. That's a solid. That's I know. Not... I can't think of one off the top of my head. Or overrated necessarily. More overblown. Come back to me. Garrett. You know what? I think I forget who this was. Um honestly, I, I'm gonna say I think uh whoever signed Malik Jackson for it was like four years at whatever, that was the most overrated signing. Like why? Why why pay that guy? Oh, we won a Super Bowl. I I, I don't know who half these guys are. I don't know who that dude is. Malik. For me, it's it's between two guys. I can't pick which one. You have to pick one. This is not where we just <sighs> we don't sit on a fence here. We make decisions. Just say it, Malik. Go with your gut. I see you're just. Yeah. I'm gonna go Nick Foles. Same here, Nick Foles for me too. But I also was thinking Latavius Murray to the Saints because I think I think his ceiling is where it is already. Yeah. I don't think he's getting any better. I think him and Alva, Alvin Kamara. I don't think they'll be the dynamic duo. Him and Ingram were. Joey. You've had a couple minutes here. I'm trying to think any oh my any of the Redskins deals that they've made. Any Redskins deal they've made in the past. Actually, years. you know what? I'm gonna, I'm going to change that. Landon Collins, why overpay for him? Because oh, it's man. a dumpster fire. Yeah, Redskins. So. Yeah. Uh, most fine, Joey. Uh, have it your way. I'll go Malik first on this one. Most underrated move so far. D Ford to the Niners. Mark Ingram to the Ravens. I think that's that fits them perfect. Three years, fifteen million too. That's Absolutely, fits them. It's it's good value. Joey, are we ready over there? Yeah, I didn't even realize that this was a thing until now. But uh, Titans getting Cameron Wake, I think it's pretty good. I didn't even know that happened. Yeah, I just I, I just saw that. The Chargers also just signed three year, Taylor, three so we year, don't have to see Geno Smith anymore. Yeah, twenty seven mil, right? <sighs> three year, twenty three million for Cameron Wake. Geno Smith's his dude. I think that's a that's pretty a big deal. I miss Geno Smith. You shouldn't. He should yeah. be an assistant coach. He be the QB Mark coach. Sanchez was Remember, better. your Jets at one point had Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg, and Geno Smith on the roster as quarterback. May we all yeah. remember that. That's day. why everybody loves Sammy Darnold, like Sammy D. It doesn't matter. You're just not you're not Geno. And you're... Taj Boyd. And it just it just goes on. Yeah. Guys, let's just move on. <laughs> I don't want... It goes on and on, man. Like, can we talk about Le'Veon J-E-T-S. Bell more? I like Le'Veon. Okay, let's just move on, guys. Uh, let's start to phase out of NFL talk, of course. Any more big news happens, big trades, big names, we will break them down next week. Actually, we might not even break them down next week because we might be just completely focused on bracketology. Um, oh, man. We have to talk about <laughs> Oakland's men's basketball team because we do have Garrett Kolodje in the house. Uh Oakland falls in the semis, 64-63 to Northern Kentucky. Garrett, did you watch any of that one? Yeah, I, I actually did watch the entire thing. I was busy, so I was going in and out, but I did watch most of that game. As an Oakland graduate, I also watched. I also wear the bear. You know what, though? Yeah. I'm going to say this. I wasn't upset about what happened at the end. I wasn't upset with the the way that the game went. I wasn't upset by any of it because, they honestly, a really good game. They overexceeded on my expectations this that year. That was going to be my next question. What was did they overexceed or underachieve? They they exceeded their expectations in my opinion. I didn't expect this team to really have much of a puncher's chance this year because 
Oakland was already losing so much talent with Jalen Hayes and Martez Walker and Kendrick Nunn and Nick Daniels, and they were just so stacked. And it, and it still bothers me to this day that they couldn't get anything done uh, the last two years, for that matter. None of the Kayfelder teams. None of the, right, yeah. not even having a guy like you know Martez and Sharon Dorsey Walker, having all those guys there. That team with pers- that team with all of them in Percy, I still don't understand how they didn't make the tournament. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. and that just bothers me. But with that being said. I didn't expect much from this Oakland team this year. I knew they were going to be young. I knew that there were some guys that had a chance to play their way onto this roster. And honestly, I love the way that Braden Norris played. Uh, I think they've got something there with Trey Maddox as being a, a long, you know, wing stretch, you know, a stretch two, stretch three, you know, really guards the perimeter really well, can get in, can score. He might not score a lot, but he can score, you know, for you. Uh, Hill Mays is a great inside presence. And I'm honestly surprised at how well he can pass and how well he can shoot from both inside and outside. Oakland's got some work to do, yes. But when you're that loaded for that long and you put so many chips in all at once, I was expecting them to maybe have 10 or 12 wins this year. They won 17 games. They made it to the semis, albeit in a very weak Horizon League this year. Does it suck to lose like that in the last second buzzer? Yeah, it sucks. But, I mean, I wasn't expecting them to even be in that spot in the first place. So, for me, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses. You know, you lost. and Yeah, it sucks. But next year, you should be better. Some of the best coaching I've seen from Campion years, to be honest. The fact that, that they were yeah. the fact that they were tied for first at one point in the Horizon League tells you how good of a job Greg Campy did this year as a coach, as he did as a staff. I mean, he he got so much out of those guys, and, and especially out of a guy like Brad Brechting, who, albeit not the greatest offensive player, but defensively solid. Javon Cumberland came around so much this year. Uh, Kamari Newman, a transfer from George Mason, a Detroit boy, came home. And played exceptionally well for this team. And they've got some pieces. So I'm hoping they can do something. I'm hoping they can add some transfers this upcoming year. They've, they're they young and they're going to be moldable. And I think that Campy might actually have a roster that might look similar to what you saw in 2010-2011 when I first was there uh, with, with the Keto Bensons, the Reggie Hamiltons, the Will Hudsons of the world. And, and that could be something for us in a couple of years that I think you could see Oakland back up top the Horizon League. What grade do you give them this season, Garrett? I mean, I said they exceeded expectations, but I'd probably just say they were a B minus C plus. I mean, they were average. I mean, I'm not going to say I mean, here. you expected less than that, though. Right. But I, OK, so I would just say a flat B then. That's okay. fine. I mean, it was, a, you know, expectations were met, exceeded. There were three seed in the tournament. I'm cool with that. Yeah, definitely. I, also, I think him getting Braden Norris is one of the. One of the best players he's pulled in because if Brayden Norris didn't come here, I don't know if he would have been a D1 player. Him getting him in and him becoming the starting point guard and one of the best shooters in the country, that that was really a coup, him pulling that off. I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the Big Ten tournament and we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up, but if Foster Lawyer decided to transfer, I want Greg Camp to go out and get Lawyer. Norris can teach him how to shoot. Lawyer can teach him about the game management side of things. I just think it would work. But Lawyer I needs to go. He's not going to get any minutes at MSU. That dude can't play any minutes. No, but, but but getting back yeah, to Oakland, I, I think with what they were left with, I think Oakland did a nice job this year. Yeah. Uh, like you said, we're going to talk about the Big Ten tournament. We're going to talk about them right now. Wait. Uh, what? Sh- shouldn't we talk about the Pistons real quick? I'll, I mean. They had a big game that they I was kind of wait, sort wait, of messed wait. up on. They, they lost by 28 to Adrian College? I was glazing oh, over boy. it. Uh, you put some respect on the Brooklyn Nets name, Garrett. They're 35 I, I and 32. As, as I... Chris, I, I told this to Malik before I was even in Just here. Just because if you're you bring of- in there, if you bring in their head coach, you bring in their head coach into this studio with four other average white dudes who look similar to him, I would not have a clue who he looks like. Just because you lack an NBA knowledge doesn't mean you can knock the production. <laughs> Do you production even know what the coach looks like, Joey? Nope. I mean, I, I, he knows the name though. I possibly. Would I don't know what he looks like, but I know he's coaching him. his butt off this year. Thank <laughs> you, Malik. I know that. Yeah. I, I will agree with Malik, and I and I watch a little bit of the, uh, the the association, so I do watch a little bit of it. But I mean, he's he's doing a damn good job. I'm just saying, I could I would not be able to tell you what the dude looked like. <laughs> Joe, you want to talk about the Pistons before we go into it? I just felt like this was a game to talk about because you know oh, there's a, there's a lot of buzz around you know, the Pistons. It's funny that Joey wants to talk about the Pistons once they do something poorly because he because they, talk they, about they them. always do this. Yeah, they always they were literally being talked this. about right, on right. ESPN. For their really? winning ways, yes, yeah. because they were on a hot streak. They right, what we, ten of the last twelve? They're twelve and three in their last fifteen. And then now. they were on another five game win streak. People are starting to talk. 
Are the Pistons the most improved team this season? A lot of people would say yes. I would say yes. And Wait, what? No. They're not the most improved team this season. Like, throughout the season. From where they were to where they are now. Yeah. They were in the dumpster. Now they're playoff material. Well, it's not that hard to do that in the East. I'm just saying. They really turned it around. All right, continue. But for this, this game was supposed to be playoff environment caliber yes. Well, it was. Game. This was, was by Brooklyn. This was supposed to be close all the way throughout. And yeah. every piston that hit the floor came out flat. I think they shot under 30%. They shot 25% from the floor. And Their worst shooting game. Like since 2011 or something. Like Before just, this game, Langston Galloway hit his last what six or twelve. His last twelve threes. Luke Kennard has been on fire. What, what Blake happened? Griffin has been great. Andre Drummond He's has been, been out of his mind, and none of them could do anything in this game, and that's a big concern. I will say that the Nets are sort of a bad matchup because they have a lot of really good guards, which is the Pistons' worst nightmare. Um. But man, you got to come out better than that. I mean, it's okay to lose to the Nets, but not, not like yeah, that. I agree with you. Uh, that was your third game in four nights. Brooklyn had a couple days rest, so they were ready to go. Well, I'm not going to give them that excuse to fall back on, but it's something well, to look into. Yeah, and the other thing is like they have a big game tonight. They do. That, that's the other thing. Now this, I think, if they lose tonight in Miami and they don't do it, and it's not a close game, then that draws concern. Right. It's that's how what, they bounce back. From right. This one. That's what I was going to say too. To to bring it all together is like this is the test is tonight because they need to make this another playoff atmosphere type of game. Don't yep. let Dwayne Wade continue his farewell tour of giving teams the business. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I, since we're talking about Pistons right now, just might as well bring it up. According to Basketball Power Index, which we've been referencing over the past couple weeks about their percentage and chance to make the playoffs, even though they lost to Brooklyn, their chances are now at 98.2%. They dropped and a little. Were they, I, thought they were, I think they were at 99 I thought at they were at 87. Point. Last week it was 87. I think like, before that game, when they were on their oh, win streak. Oh, before the game. Yeah, I'm talking about last week, though. Okay. I'm talking about last like the week, beginning at the of show, last week at the okay. show. Okay. Um, And they are still favored to get the sixth seed because Brooklyn has such a tough schedule to finish out the year. Um, But, yeah, we'll find out again tonight. We'll talk about them, of course, next they, week. The only thing, the last thing I want to say, too, is that the reason that it's so important is because right now Indiana is in the three seed. That's why the Nets and the Pistons are really. Indiana's at the. Did they drop? They I thought they were I'm still the three. Sure they no, I'm pretty sure they dropped because Philly took over the three seed. I'm pretty sure. Okay, then right it's now. okay if the Pistons. Lose. That's what I was going to say. It could be a blessing in disguise. So it, it, either way, the Nets and the Pistons are going to be battling to. Yeah, Pacers to, are four seed. To play the Pacers. Either way. And that's that's like what they want. Yeah. If they can. If you're the Pistons, you want to avoid Milwaukee and Philly, in my opinion. For sure. All right. Big Ten tournament preview. Big Ten tournament starts tonight. Starts today. I don't know exactly what time. Uh, Taking place in Chicago. And first matchup is Rutgers versus Nebraska, the 12-13 the matchup. Uh, Winner of those two will play Maryland, who is the five seed. Uh, And then the second game of the night, Illinois versus Northwestern. That's the 11 and the 14 seed. MSU is number one. They won the regular season Big Ten. They're number one. Michigan sits at three. Purdue at two. I'm going to just keep the, keep this wide open for you guys. I want your just general opinion. What? Give me a prediction. Give me how you think this is going to go. This is the most exciting time of year for basketball. Joey, I want to give you the floor. What do you expect from the Big Ten tournament this year? Most likely, everything that we've been seeing throughout the season of the Big Ten will be culminated into this tournament. I think there's going to be a lot of craziness. I think there's going to be a lot of close calls. I think there could be a couple upsets. I don't know if in the end there will be a lot of big upsets, but there definitely is a possibility for some. And it's just going to show people how good the Big Ten is, I think. Garrett? Nothing really surprises me with the top four seeds. All those teams have played really good basketball all year, being obviously MSU 1, Purdue 2, Michigan 3, and Wisconsin 4. Um, I, I do see potentially a team like Iowa maybe causing some concern because I do think that they can shoot their way out of the gym, which is be- you know in its beautiful basketball that they play under Fran McCaffrey. Oh, they've been on a slide the past few games with Fran McCaffrey out. Which right, is, yeah. right. But, I mean, and again, that was one of Michigan's six losses this year. I mean, yeah. let's be fair here. As much as people want to say, oh, well, they did lose six games and they're projected to be a three-seed in the NCAA tournament, 
Michigan, that's still a quality loss, and and according to the way that they do things with the quadrant one losses and things like that, so they're fine. I'm not expecting this tournament to you know be a mover shaker, uh, but I do expect I do expect Purdue to win this thing. I expect Carson Edwards to step up. I expect Matt Harms to step up. They've got some really good three point shooters on the outside. They're not only one of the best three point shooting teams in the Big Ten, but also in the country. So I think Purdue's going to make it rain from outside. Carson Edwards is going to step up and be the leader that everybody thought he was and be the Big Ten player of the year that he should be. I'm not convinced by Cassius Winston. I I, I don't think Cassius Winston's the player of the year in my eyes. What do you think it is? Foster lawyer? Def- <laughs> Kenny Goins. <laughs> Kenny Goins is the X factor of that. Team. He, he, yeah. But all being said, I think it's going to come down to Purdue and Michigan State. And I love Michigan. I, I think Michigan's got a, you know, it's still a good shot. But until they figure out who's going to take shots, who's going to get the ball, and how they prioritize their shooting, I don't think they're going to three-peat. Malik? I think there are two teams outside of the top four or five that cannot be taken lightly, Rutgers and Illinois. These are two teams that I think Illinois won like six, six, I know, it was like five out of eight of their last Big Ten games, and they played extremely well against really good teams. Rutgers beat the mess out of Iowa in Iowa. They've been a solid team all season, so those two teams you really can't take lightly. Indiana still has a chance to make the tournament, which is insane. So if they raise to the talent they have at any point, there's a chance they could pull off some up- upsets out of nowhere. The only they, thing, they have the talent. The only thing that helps Indiana is the fact that they beat Michigan State and the fact that they essentially went, I think, like 12-2 and two or something in Big Ten play or whatever, which is unbelievable considering how they started. No, they started the year out 12-2, and two and then they faded down the stretch. But And they, they blew out Marquette at home early in the right. season. And that helps their resume. So, you know what? If they win, let's say they beat in Iowa. Let's say they you know beat a Wisconsin or they play Michigan. I don't know how that actually works out. They, but say they, they would have to play. They'd be in a playing game they, probably if they, that happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they have to beat Michigan State for a third time to be able to get there. Right. And, and, and their key for them is not only beating Michigan State, but getting to a final. Like, for them to get to a final, I think, would be huge. Indiana is a sleeper team, but I still think my sleeper team is Iowa. I still think Iowa can cause, you know, misfit, you know mismatches on the guards. They they guard really well on the perimeter. They're such a good shooting team with Bohannon. Uh, they, they've got a bunch of, you know, decent players on the inside. I, I just, I you can never doubt Iowa, in my opinion. I think Minnesota's another one. To I was going to say, let's just piggyback off what you're saying. Well, give me your surprise team. For the Big Ten tournament, uh, Garrett, you got Iowa, Joe. Mine's Minnesota. Minnesota. Why? I mean, they've already beaten Purdue, and they might have to go up against them again. They uh, beat Wisconsin. Minnesota's just always a dangerous team, and it seems like their side of the bracket is a little bit easier for them personally because, like I said, they've beaten Purdue. So if they go and play Purdue, then they know in their minds that they can beat Purdue. Malik? I'll go with Iowa, too. And for what it is, Penn State and Minnesota would – be on the bottom half of the bracket, the the winner of today's game, I believe, which would be between Northwestern and Illinois, would go on and play Iowa. And then from there, you run into Purdue and Michigan on that side of the bracket. So Michigan and Purdue have proven this year to be vulnerable, especially Michigan of, of, of recency. But that's not to sleep on the fact that Wisconsin and Michigan State can go down at any time. Again, we saw Gonzaga lose in their final, you know, in the in the West Coast Conference final yesterday. Yeah. St. The Mary's. St. Mary's. That was a so great any, game. So anything can happen. Obviously, it's not going to you know keep Gonzaga out of the tournament, but you know anything right. can happen. Before we talk, I want before I ask for who you have winning the Big Ten tournament, I want each of you to give me a player for the listeners listening in. What's a player they should watch in the tournament? It can be from any team in the Big Ten. Um, I like Garrett first. I feel like Garrett's got something ready, ready to go. <laughs> no, you know what? Um, I'm on the fence with, with one guy. I think one guy to watch out for is Wisconsin's Ethan Happ. He's been there all four years. I was there. I feel with, like he's been there for eight years. He's been there for 26 years. 20. <laughs> he's been there for 45 yeah. years. He was he was there when Bo Ryan first started out coaching at, at Wisconsin, but no joke. Um, Frank Kaminsky's been there since the 90s, and then, <laughs> and then Ethan Happ took over. <laughs> right. They Ethan Happ, I think it's going to be – the straw that stirs the drink in Wisconsin. They added uh, Iverson, the one kid from uh, the graduate transfer from Rhode Island. Oh, Allen. No, not Allen. Oh. I think it's like Karan Iverson or something like that. Or so, it, it's one of, either way, it's it's not Allen Iverson. Oh, dang. But Ethan Happ is 
your prototypical NBA stretch four. He can shoot threes. He can, you know, make it rain from inside. Now he's a six foot eight, big body. You can put him up against your best defender on the inside. I uh, everything on the offense kind of runs through him and plays no defense. He plays some defense. I mean, once he gets to the NBA, he's not going to be playing any defense. <laughs> but like I said, he's that prototypical, you know, stretch wing player that is now so coveted in the NBA. And yeah. I'm not sitting here saying that he's going to be a top ten pick, but you could see him late second round, mid-second round. He's a guy that I think if you get a chance to watch Wisconsin and watch the way they play, it can be a little boring at times. But Ethan Happ is definitely a guy that I love out of this conference. Joey. Man, it's hard for me to pick one. Oh, my gosh, Joe. Just uh, make a decisive pick. I'll, I'll say one of my favorite uh, Big Ten players to watch this season has been Bruno Fernando for uh, Maryland. I think he just... He's an exciting player to watch. He's one of those guys that, like, is a hustle player, but he can, he can get buckets. But, like, some of the blocks that he makes and defensive plays that he makes is really exciting. I think I just like the way that he plays, and I think he's kind of an X factor for Maryland that you always have to watch out for. Malik? I'm going Tyler Cook from Iowa. They're starting power forward. He's the big athletic guy that they give, they give the ball to him down low, and he usually gets guys into foul trouble early in the game, and then he starts having his way. If he starts going... They go inside, outside, and they're really good shooters. They can shoot you out of the gym. That's what they did to Michigan. So Tyler Cook gets going. He starts dunking on people, getting going down low. Iowa can really start you know, putting All, it on people. Also, another thing about Ethan Happ, shooting 54% from the field. I mean, he's putting up 18 and 10 on a decent Wisconsin team. So And he's a poor free throw shooter, which is even crazier that he's right. <laughs> averaging those, type, again, those types of numbers. Responsible with the basketball, only under he's under two turnovers per game, so a very responsible player out there on the floor for Greg Gard and the Badgers. I just think he's by far you got Carson Edwards. You probably have Iggy Brad Stikas. You've got as much as I hate saying it, maybe like a, a Cassius Winston or a Xavier Tillman uh at, at one point up there. And then it's Ethan Happ. He's right up there in the discussion with all those guys. All right, guys. Who's playing in the championship game? Who's coming out on top? Either one, any of you guys can take this one first. Well, he picked Purdue. You can go more in depth on that. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, you've already picked yeah. Purdue. What was it Purdue, Michigan State you had? I, well, yes. So Purdue and Michigan State will meet. And you're picking Purdue. I think it's going to be the battle of the point guards, battle of the Naismith Award winners, battle of Wooden Award finalists. Carson Edwards and Cassius Winston, and I think the Boilermakers will cut down the nets in Chicago, I believe it is. Yep. In Chicago, win the Big Ten tournament. Joe or Malik? I guess I'll go. I got Michigan, Michigan State. Oh, my. What a cop-out. Oh. <laughs> How is that a cop-out if you cop think that out. that's what's going to be? Come on. It's a cop-out, Joe. Oh. It's such a cop out. What you want me to pick, uh, Chris? It could happen. Nebraska Northwestern. I like that better. <laughs> Chris, like that better. Chris, that could happen though. That could happen. Michigan, Michigan State Listen, could happen. It could happen. Yeah, Volume three. I think that's the most likely thing to happen. Michigan, I, Michigan State round three. I have Michigan, Michigan winning the whole thing. I don't know wow. how. I don't know how they do it. Third time's the Just charm. Just like I don't know how they've done it the past two years. I think Michigan wins it again. Oh That's what my I'm saying. Guys. I'm with Malik, though. But Third time. Are, are they playing the past, Michigan State, the too? Are they playing years, Michigan listen, State, the too? The past two years, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how Beeline gets these dudes to raise to this level of play in the Big Ten tournament. It's happened the past two years. This is a team, once again, another team at the end of the season. There's questions going into the Big Ten tournament. Who's the guy? How are they going to get it done? And they just they figure it out. Every time this it comes around, this they time should of the have year. Charles Matthews back. <clears throat> I'm, I'm gonna go with Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State. Think about who's it. On, who's on that? Who's on uh, the other side? Purdue and I believe no, it's not Purdue. Wisconsin and Michigan State are on yeah. the uh, top half. Mm-hmm. Here I got because it would be Michigan State is one seed, uh, Wisconsin's four seed, and then it would be essentially your semifinal would probably be Purdue and Michigan. I'm gonna go Michigan Purdue, and Michigan wins. It can't be Michigan Purdue. They Although plan- I said Purdue was on that side. Oh, okay. No, no. They're it's on the same Wisconsin, side. Yeah. They'd be oh, the semi. Okay. They'd be the semifinal. So Wisconsin's on the other side? Wisconsin yes. and Michigan State. I'll go Michigan and Wisconsin in the, Thank in you. the championship. Joey cop out. <laughs> Third think I don't about think it. that's a cop out. Think about it. Third time's the charm for Michigan to win, and it, it'll be their third in a row. Power of threes. I'm just saying. I, it's it's honestly a feeling that I have that. Michigan is going to figure it out. Is it the same feeling that helped? And us what? Cho- wait, wait, is it the same feeling that helped us choose Loyola? 
to go far in the tournament last year? Possibly. Is it that same feeling that Joey had to uh, correctly predict Michigan going in the national title game last year? Could be. I just and we, also, if, if that's the case, we do have to consider this. Also, I mean, there there is a a factor of like how what more could you want than a Michigan State Michigan Big Ten title tournament? True. Final. All right. Any last second things you guys want to add on before we call it quits here on the show? I can't wait until next week's show because I think Michigan could win the Big Ten championship but lose in like the Sweet 16. I can't wait till next week. I think this tournament's going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, one thing I, I think will be awesome is how how all this talent shines in the B1G. I mean, there's just so many good players this year in, in the tournament, and I'm looking forward not only to that, but just conference tournament season. Let's go. Joseph? Here. Yeah. I mean, literally every matchup that there is, it seems like that team has beaten the other team at some point in the time. And maybe in the next round, they've beaten that team, and it's all over the place. So I think uh, some crazy things could happen. So it's going to be fun. And I, and I do think you there are still some seeding that is on the line for this tournament. I think a team like Maryland, if they could win a game or two, could help their uh, NCAA tournament stock. I think a team like Iowa could help themselves. Even Indiana, that could even work their way into the tournament if they get a couple games under their belt and win. In the tournament, so there's still a lot riding on this. As much as people want to say the top four teams are set and they're the best in the Big Ten, they are, but there's still a lot of seating at stake. And uh, selection selection Sunday is this Sunday, March. Wait, what? Who yeah. do you think is going to be the Big Ten? Title? Yeah, we didn't even ask you, Chris. Who do you think is going to be in the Big Ten? <laughs> Cop out. <laughs> look at his Cop look, at, look at his face. <laughs> they weren't going to ask me. You're right. Not. He picked Michigan. Michigan State. Just wait. He just picked out, but now he's going to change it because I just said that. I'd say Michigan, Michigan State. Oh! I'm faking Michigan. <laughs> Chris. I knew I'm faking it. Michigan. <laughs> Why? I'm the only one that has a real opinion on this show. <laughs> I come in. Oh, wait, a whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I come in on the Big wait, Ten whoa, preview whoa. show. Whoa. whoa, whoa. I, I come day, in. Sir. <laughs> what? Did you hear? Say good day, sir. Say good day. I, I come in here. For you utilize my services for the big time <laughs> tournament, my and for the NCA preview coming up on Tuesday, and yet you're gonna come in and two of you are gonna choose Michigan, Michigan State. <laughs> you're going with Wisconsin, Michigan, and I go with Purdue and Michigan State. I feel like I'm on a lonely island. Yeah, because you picked Purdue. What, Purdue doesn't do it for you? No. Carson Edwards has been on such a downslide yeah. from an efficiency point of view. He's, he's just been, been throwing up shots. He's been like, James Harden. They fall. Guys, I mean, <laughs> it's, been, it's been so up and down I, for him. I am contemplating putting Maryland, or not Maryland, putting Purdue in my final four. That oh, is how confident no. I am whoa, with the whoa, whoa, Hot take whoa. alert. We'll see that next week. I mean, I, a little preview for next week. not going on the views from the sideline bracket, oh, I'll tell you what. No. I, I mean, can't wait to I, hear what I'm Sammy studying, says about that one. I, I'm studying up on this because I got some friends of mine going to uh, Las Vegas for the tournament. Mm. So I'm trying to be savvy and try and get myself a team going to the Final Four. I'm trying to pick a value pick, boys. A value pick. <sighs> what, I've learned, what I've learned from the big tournament is if you try to put too much thought into it, it's always going to Always. Hurt. It, always <laughs> it always comes back and burns you. It always you. blows you just up. Like, just like the Big Ten tournament, I'm probably putting way too much stock into this, thinking it's not going to be Michigan, <laughs> thinking it's not going to be Michigan State winning it. But you know what? It's probably going to happen. When all, else, when all else fails, just pick Loyola. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we previewed, next week is our Bracket Challenge special. It's going to be... A two-hour special of views from the sideline. We might go live um, with that one. You might have to visibly separate me and Sammy. <laughs> I, I wait. Will, way to spoil it, even though I think Sammy's. I, I'm gonna have to because I will go off on the co-Big Ten champions, mind you, Michigan State Spartans, who limped into that title. They didn't win it outright. <laughs> so let's hang another banner at Breslin Center. Oh, co-Big Ten champions, 2019. <laughs> I can't believe you have that much confidence See, in. Purdue. I'm the Michigan fan, and I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even go on them that hard. I respect it. I, I mean, respect w- it. since when has regular season titles mattered? I mean, that's no, true. Also, I, I mean, let's be fair. Although, here, as I lower the chair, <laughs> as I lower the chair, Michigan Garrett State. Just, all, all I'm going to say, <laughs> I, I'm going to say this to Sammy, and he better be ready. All I'm going to say is, he thinks that Michigan's half national championship in '97 is cute. Well, that's cute that he has a half, uh, half a Big Ten title in 2019. So. 
Yeah, if you didn't realize already, Sammy Termino is going to be joining us in the studio next week as well. It'll be the, can't the, wait. The big three, myself, Joey, Malik, Garrett will be back with us next week, and Sammy Termino. Garrett and Sammy will both be going at it for the I think, entire I think, two hours. I think we'll all be going at it by the end. Papers will be ripped. Uh, feelings might be hurt. People might leave the show sweat, in the middle. Sweat will be poured. Well, that, there, will be, there will be a lot. That's going to do it for the show this week. March 13th, 2019. Views from the sideline. I'm Chris, Joe, Malik, and Garrett. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Doses. J-E-T-S. Suck, suck, suck. Oh, got him. Baker, Baker, touchdown maker. That was rude, Malik. Lion pride. They suck. <laughs>